Hello, welcome and bienvenue, konnichiwa. Welcome to the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 167 on Sunday the 10th of January. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben. I'm Armish Matt. And tonight we've got author and host of the classic Ghost Stories podcast, Tony Walker here with us. How are we doing, Tony? Hello, thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Welcome. Thank you. uh, We were just chatting before about different uh, strange paranormal goings-ons and... uh, and you're very much focused on classic ghost stories. Where did where did your fascination come from? Why did you get into this to start with? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I remember I was thinking about this the other day. Well, in fact, today, and uh, I was thinking about being a, quite a small kid, and we went on um, a school field trip, and there was a place owned by Cumbria County Council called Hawes End on the, on uh, the banks of Windermere. It was this big old spooky house, still there, still use it. And I must have been about eight or nine, and I remember being fascinated that's the first time i kind of really consciously remember being really interested in ghosts and stuff like that and it's come and gone i can't say that i've had i've had some um, some experiences of my own but no, no nothing massively convincing but um th- things sort of have come sporadically so in in the late 90s i wrote a book called the ghostly guide to the lake district and um, as well as the old legends, which I was interested in, you know, because the trouble is a lot of ghost story books just regurgitate the same old stories. So I put, um, this is what you did in those days, I put an advert in the local paper and I got um, people coming in with, with their own stories, you know, like modern experiences, first-hand experiences. Um, and this was, so this was my interest in time slips because I had, um, there was a wish, am I to ta- tell this story now, just start yeah. rattling on? Yeah, okay, yeah. of course. So um, what happened was I was living in Penrith at the time and uh, this woman contacted me about a weird experience that she'd had on uh, on the beacon, the red pike at the back of Penrith that you climb up there. And it's it's a narrow path through uh, coniferous woodland and it zigzags the path. You can't see very, it's quite steep and you can't see very far ahead. Anyway, she, uh, she says that one summer's day in the late 70s, she and a friend had finished school and it was hot and uh, a bit stormy. And she decided, decided to go up a walk up, up the Beacon Hill, as they'd often had. And uh, they were going one of these zigzags and they came to a, uh, a corner and then they saw this cottage that had never been there before. And they, and they talk about the atmosphere being weird and uncanny. And this, they reckon this cottage looked very old, like almost medieval with... Um, I, I'm, I'm trying not to... This is from memory, so I hope yeah, I'm not yeah, adding no, details. Fine. Stone walls and chimney, and then they say the door opened and somebody came out and they turned and ran. And uh, they they didn't have the courage to go back, and the other girl never went back, or she may have been back since, but um, they never talked about it. And so this Angela Charlton got in touch with me, and the other weird coincidence was that at the time this had happened to her, she was living in the same house that I was living in, and I wrote the... Uh, wrote the book, so I thought that was weird. 
Mm-hmm. And then, and then, yeah, so that was, that was my first time slip interest and then others followed, really. People start telling you things. So this was like a, like a medieval cottage with a thatched roof and all this sort of stuff? And there was something about it that struck her as strange and it wasn't there before and it was never there since, you know. Wow! And yeah. were these two, I mean, did they know the area well? Yeah, yeah, the local girls, yeah, they've been many times up there. <laughs> and they both saw it? Both saw it, apparently. Although it was only Angela that spoke to me. And the I other one, one was the, petrified. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of the things that is... So if you ask me, do I believe in these things, I would say, you know, I believe that people have experiences uh, and uh, there's something going on, but I, I don't exactly know what it is. But she was absolutely sincere. And one of the convincing things is she had she had not nothing to gain from telling me this. Uh, this was something that she, this was year, twenty years after the event, and it was something that she just wanted to get off her chest because nobody took her seriously, and people thought she was crackers, you know. Well, this is it. Most, we mm. you know, if you think about most people who come forward with, you know, say UFO story, UFO story, or some paranormal experience, ninety nine people out of hundred are going to say you're nuts, aren't they? Absolutely. So you, yeah. you really don't yeah. have anything to gain, generally, do you? There's not much money in it, no. <laughs> no. And my book didn't sell that well. <laughs> it did all right, yeah. yeah. So is it what, have you looked into, when you heard the story, did you look into sort of any sort of theories or similar, theories to explain it or to some sort of similar occurrences that have happened before that have been reported? Yeah, I suppose I did. Um, I remember at the end, I did a series of um, night classes uh, on the back of the book so I went in different venues and, and people would pop up and tell me of their experiences. And there was a fellow who um, worked for the local county council and he told me about a time he'd been in Pembroke Castle in South Wales on a holiday and they were, went into the castle. It was with his son and wife and he, he went on ahead and got up this tower and looked down over the river and there were a load of like brightly coloured boats with brightly coloured flags. Like he said, it looked like a pageant, like a medieval you know, tall ships do that, but older than that. And and when they came up, he went down to tell them, come up, and when they went up, they weren't there, you know. And uh, uh, again, he was, he'd never, that was his only ever incident. He didn't make a habit of it. And you think, whoa, that's strange. So, yes, I did look into them. Yeah. And I didn't really come up with any conclusive ideas about what was going on. There's a very famous story called An Adventure. I don't, are you familiar with that? The two uh, English ladies in Paris in the early 1900s? No. No. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. 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 So, um, so basically, um, it's, it's Eleanor Jourdain and uh, Charlotte Mobley, and they were like um, uh, school teachers, you know, relatively well off but not rich and uh, one of them was teaching in Paris and the, later on they both taught near Cambridge I think I forget the details anyway this particular thing is they decided to go to Versailles and it was a very hot day and they talk about um, an oppressive atmosphere and they appeared there's lots of details they wrote a book about it and they were quite scientific in their approach trying to sift the evidence and look at the history of it to see how it could have happened and it appeared that they walked into the 1700s and they saw people and buildings that weren't there. Now, if, if, they, if they were um, making this up, it was quite elaborate 
Mm. And it went on for years. So again, it convinced me that they were pretty sincere in what they said that this had happened. They went twice, it happened to them twice. And the other interesting thing is, Though both ladies were there, they didn't speak about it at the time. I don't know what they thought was going on, but they only spoke about it when they left Versailles. Um, and they'd had similar experiences, but not quite the same. One had seen one woman, and they'd, they'd both seen this bloke with um, smallpox scars. Shit. But, you know, it's very detailed. Yeah. But the, the thing, so the point of me mentioning this is, um, they talk about this heavy... <sighs> atmosphere and the electrical or you know that feeling when there's going to be a thunderstorm mm, yeah, yeah heavy and is that thing that's so interesting I'm like well is that something to do with it but then there are other other uh, lots of other stories that where it isn't no it, yeah. it isn't at all yeah does it um that's something that's just occurred to me does it generally tend to be women rather than men who experience these um that's a, well roger's a man so <laughs> no i think i think it's fairly uh evenly split let yeah. me think i think of some of the other ones of course there was the famous liverpool one of course at bold street in liverpool mm-hmm. um and this is very detailed this is the 1990s and there was uh, let me remember the details of the names anyway so the, the a couple were going shopping in liverpool and bold street and one one of them went to uh I think it was HMV, and we even know the CD that she was going to buy. Uh, um, and he was wandering to Dylan's, as it was, which is now Waterstones on Bold Street in Liverpool. Now, my daughter then went to university in Liverpool, and I used to walk up and down Bold Street in the hope that something would happen, but it never did. <laughs> um, never did, never did. Yeah, Frank, it was Frank, Frank and Carol. And uh, Carol went to buy a copy of Irving Welsh's train spotting book at Dylan's. And he went to buy a CD. I want to say something by Yaz, actually, you know. Uh, but uh, I don't know if that, where I got that from. It's all very specific. He, yeah. They got split up, and he strolled up Bold Street, and then it all went quiet. And he said the street was cobbled as it never been before. And instead of modern clothes, people wore clothes that looked like from the 1950s. And then he's about to cross the road, and there's a loud horn, and a box van with the name Kaplan's goes past on its side, and it, Kaplan's on its side, nearly missing him. And he sees in the place of Dylan's is a, is, a, is a large store with crypts, and it's not a bookshop, it's a, a lady's uh, handbag and shoe shop. So he's kind of astounded at this, goes almost into it, and he sees there's a young woman who also looks like she's stepped out of the mid-1990s, and she's got a Miss Selfridge bag on it. And then um, they go in, and it then all just melts and um, goes back to normal. And there are apparently a couple of other, um, there's a guy called Tom Sleeman, who's a Liverpool journalist, and he's written a lot on Bold Street um, uh, time slips. So, yeah, I don't think it is just women. I think, um, yeah, I think it's, I don't know if it's 50-50, but it it is, um, uh, it's split. Yeah, Yeah, I was just wondering, I was just probing to, you know, see if there was maybe a connection, because we hear about female intuition all the time, and uh, whether there was something there. So was there never anything that you found, you know, I suppose like scientific that anyone's ever tried to attempt to explain what actually might be happening? I think that respect? The people do um, try to explain these things and usually it, the people who explain it in a scientific way aren't really scientists and so <laughs> people tend to talk about quantum, they tend to mention quantum physics 
yeah. nearly always. And, and yeah. you know, it's, I don't know how well digested. They're not, they're not quantum physicists, you know. And yeah. so it's almost like quantum <coughs> physics is like, it's like conjuring, isn't it, really? It's like, we'll just say this. It sounds really scientific and complicated and that'll explain it, you know. Or well, it's quantum, you know. Wasn't it, yeah. wasn't it Richard Feynman who said, if you think you understand quantum physics, you don't yeah. understand quantum physics? You don't, yeah, yeah. So, um... So I don't know, but the human mind is that you'd kind of try and work out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So this could get quite heavy, but, you know, each of us, nobody, none of us has the same universe. Your moon is not my moon, you know. I'm actually colorblind. So I know when I look at, uh, I didn't know, actually, until a school told me, and then people pointed out, when I look at, like, green, it isn't like your green. It isn't like most people, unless you're colorblind, then it'll be pretty much the same. But... um so each of us has an individual. It's like each of us has their own universe, yeah. you know? It's all, so, it's all about yeah. perception, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the multi-worlds theory, isn't it? So yeah. there are an infinite number of worlds that split off that, where things could have happened. But I used to, when I used to do this for night class, I used to say, well, you know, like, think about this. Australia. None of us are in Australia, and but we believe Australia some, is still there in some sense, isn't it? We can't. <laughs> we've got no sensory perception of it. We can't see it, taste it, touch it, or anything like that. Yeah. And you know, the Blitz, nineteen forty-four, or in fact, um, my birthday last year. It, it was lockdown day, in fact, um, the first lockdown, and uh, so. I believe those still exist in some sense. They are real in some sense, but I can't, I can't touch them anymore. And you know, you have like Einstein's uh, special relativity, excuse me, and you have the four dimensions, time, space, time, time plus the uh, spatial dimensions. And it's all like, it's all there. It's all there. So in a sense, we might say that all these times still exist. It's just that we, with our current sensory setup, we can't perceive them, but something may happen that um, these people somehow crack that, and for a very short period, they they perceive the past as it was at some point. Yeah, it does get into sort of the nature of, of consciousness and stuff. Oh yeah, it? Uh, reality and time and stuff is a bit yeah. weird, isn't it? It's heavy, yeah. But yeah. I mean, this future. People say, why don't people see the future? Mm, that's what I was you just know, thinking. Yeah. There may be one or two future. There, actually, I was on the internet, which obviously must be true, um, that some some person was talking about how they were travelling across the States and they saw this, uh, what appeared to be a future city, in the you know, coming up on them. So maybe people do see the future, but it isn't common, you know, whereas there are quite a lot of um, time slips to the past. There's not so much in the future. And I was just going to say that I'm sure I've heard on something that, like, theoretically, I don't know how theoretical and scientific this is, but I'm sure I've heard that it's kind of, it might be possible to actually travel into the past, but not possible to travel into the future because of physics. But well, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really tell you that how, why the reasoning for that at all. I thought that was the other way around. You might, might be able be. to travel into the future, but not the past. <laughs> I don't know some... which I'd like. I'd like to try both, to be honest. Yeah. Where would you, where would you go, Tony? If you could, if you did have a time machine, where and when would yeah. you go? I wouldn't like to go too far, you know. I'd stay local. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd uh, you know, 
Um, this maybe go a couple of hundred years back, uh, but not too far, no. <laughs> yeah, I think... I've gone to see my ancestors. Yeah. I don't know if I would. Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. Where would I like to go? Uh, you know, people would probably say, oh, ancient Egypt or ancient Rome or something like that. Uh, yeah. I am quite interested in local history, so I would quite like to have a look back uh, about 500,000 years back around here. 500,000 years? years? No, 500 to 1,000. 500,000 would just be ice, wouldn't it? That'd be a bit boring. Yeah, it'd be like... It'd be like lockdown forever. (laughs) Cro-Magnon, you'd just be locked down in your cave. Yeah, you would. You're locked down in your cave. There's no no, way you can't even go to the office. Yeah. Do you think uh, do you think people would have been around back then, five hundred thousand years ago? I think they oh, might right. have been, you know. Just about. I think maybe not like us, maybe, but Neanderthals and things, maybe. They keep pushing it back. I mean, the last they I do, heard, yeah. we're going, we're, we're getting close to two hundred thousand years now. Mm. It's been around one hundred and fifty, and then one hundred and seventy-five, and now, now people are saying one eighty, one eighty-five. These anthropologists, I wonder, I wonder if there were anatomically modern humans around half a million years ago. Our guest last week don't think we're, we're more than 5,000 years old, I don't think. <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the future, I, I always, when I was a kid, I always wanted to go to Mars. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'd be all right, that, I think, you know, in the future. And then just imagine technology. You've got all these things now, your iPhones and that. Just imagine the future. Have a word okay. with uh, Elon, Elon Musk. Yeah, he'll, he'll yeah he's out. Elon, yeah. Yeah, he wants to get, uh, was it a million people to Mars within 40 years? Within 40 years? Wow. Yeah, and he's just become the richest man on the planet as well this week, hasn't he? Mm. I see his Tesla shares have been going up. Yeah. 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 Despite what he tweets. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, yeah, all this stuff, and then he just ruins his share price. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's tanked it yeah. a few times, hasn't he? And then he? he comes back again, so, you know. Yeah, he kind of uh, seems to know mm. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, Time slips, and the, yeah. So I was saying to you before we started about how just it, you kind of uh, segue, I think, into other things very related. It, I, I started writing on Medium, and um, there's oh, yeah. a publication on Medium called um, uh, "Inside the, Stim- the Simulation." The stimulation inside the simulation. That's a different. Uh, that is a different. Game. Block there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so that that has a load of paranormal stuff on and. This idea inside a simulation is, is worth thinking about as well. But, um, yeah, they've got a lot of UFO stuff. So I've started reading a couple of UFO books, and I was I was saying before we came on that a lot of the, the current thinking about UFOs, and I'm not saying that any of this is right because I just think people don't have a clue, is that uh, they're not interstellar travellers at all, but they're just another version of the fairy folk that our ancestors used to be scared of. I mean, I think in the parish records of Lampler, which isn't, again, I say I'd like to keep local, isn't too far from here, and uh, the people were scared to death by fairies and stuff. So it was a real belief. And when I lived in Wales, in fact, in a little uh, place, I didn't live in Kaisus, but near there, there was old blokes there who really still believed in the fairies up on the hills. Mm-hmm. And not messing around really did believe them, you know. Now, so, yeah. Sorry, go on. Was that a... Um a hangover because there was a big resurgence, wasn't there? Was it in the late 19th century, early 1900s, where there was some quite a few famous sort of fraudulent mm, stories? Well, Conan Doyle believed in them, didn't he? And Did he? The Cottingley Fairies was a big fake. That was in North York, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the one that I've heard about. Yeah. Some X-Files book out in the 90s. I remember yeah. that being in that. Yeah. 
So, you know, but so there are, so that raises the question, are there kind of some kind of entities out there just like messing with us? Just like scaring us, just for, I don't know why they would do it, just for a laugh or something. Well, have you heard of um, uh, the Tic Tac and those kinds of things, the sort of UFOs tracked by the um, the fighter pilots off the coast of um, America? Yeah, I mean, in, in these books, yeah, absolutely. And these are very credible witnesses, aren't they? Yeah, that's why it's, it's a bit creepy about those ones, I think. I can't remember, is it Commander Fravor? I've listened to a couple of podcasts with him on. I think he was the one who saw the Tic Tac. Was it the Tic Tac? Um, it's a bit odd. There's Rendlesham Forest, of course, in Norfolk, which is a really famous one, with all the USAF personnel and the, right. the bright lights and the radioactive stuff and all that. And that... That seems um, too extensive to be completely made up because it is an embarrassment to the both the USF, AF and the British MOD that this kind of thing could happen. And when, uh, and when, was, out. when yeah. was that? When was that event? Oh, right. Rendlesham's, I want to say 80s, but um, the Rendlesham Forest um What happened then, Tony? Right. So, um, again, I'm... I'm the Rendlesham from Forest Incident, it was 1980, okay? So these lights on this, uh, this was at the time of um, CND and things like that when the yeah. Americans had the cruise missiles and stuff coming in. And um, th- these lights and incidents were reported and they've been documented. They're on the radio, they're in the official documents at RAF Woodbridge. Um, and the, even the, the, the base uh, deputy commander, a guy called Charles Holt, said, They'd gone out, and it's very compelling when you hear the uh, the, the the radio traffic of that they're definitely seeing something. These bright lights on the ground, and then they claim that it was a metallic object with coloured lights, and they attempted to approach the object, and uh, it appeared to move through the trees. And these are like military people who are not known for their kind of. Um, uh, woo woo ness you know, it's probably no. the opposite, and a craft of unknown origin. But as you say, if it was a, a an alien or a mm. interstellar craft, why would it be there? You know, <laughs> why would it be there? But yeah, so um, it's a very famous one. It hasn't been completely explained. I don't think was that an event that was sort of classified and then released to the public after. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it it got out relatively quickly, and there was stuff on. Um, I mean, I'm you're just looking this up. But 2005 Freedom of Information Act got the Suffolk Police log of the case. Wow. Um, you know, um, mind the, the the police officer who 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 went there wasn't convinced anything had happened. Um, there was evidence of an MOD file, but I'm not sure that's ever come out. Um. So it could have been a hoax, it could have been a, a mistake, but uh, and I think the danger is the people who believe in these tend to reinforce the stories and add little bits and make it sound more convincing. So we don't know, but the, there's certainly things happening. Yeah, and and they've been documented for a long time now. I don't know if you, are you familiar with Charles Fort. Yeah, I'm, I've got my 14 times on subscription. Have you? Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, I'm I'm a complete newcomer. I, I read New Lands uh, sometime last year. It was the first Charles Fort book that I read. Yeah. And I found it pretty fascinating because he, he goes through a lot of these documented uh, incidents from, you know, from like a, the last 100 years. 
well, and he wasn't so. a credulous man. I don't think. I don't think he just swallowed it all hook, line, and sinker. I think he he came to it with some kind of uh, analytical mind to try and work out what was really going on. Yeah, and from an open-minded perspective as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. You've got to be open-minded because I think if you say not nothing ever happens apart from every, we know everything. Then, then clearly we don't because we keep saying we know everything and then we find something else out that we didn't know. You know, so to, for us to say, oh, we've got it all taped, you know, no, that nothing can happen that we don't understand is clearly um, nonsense. So there are things that we don't understand and if we just close our minds to them. just And also because I haven't, because you may have seen a ghost. I've never actually seen a ghost. My daughter has. And um, yeah, my daughter has seen a few. And she is embarrassed about it, really. But um, I've never seen it. But it doesn't mean that I don't believe. Now, I should say, by profession, I'm a psychiatric nurse. And one of the reasons I got into that was this whole issue of what is true. Because clearly I work with people on a daily basis who believe things that, that other people would say aren't true. You know, This is um, my truth. Tell yeah. me yours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's true yeah. for them, though, isn't it? They, built, they absolutely believe what they're saying. Mm. And also, I I think if it isn't distressing them, then fine. You know, let's let's let it be. You know, yeah. People have all sorts of weird ideas, and and it doesn't become uh, pathological until it causes them a lot of uh, distress. We yeah. we had the king of the flat earth is on last week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit skeptical about that flat earth thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to swallow a lot. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been, I mean, because I'm like, I've been in an aeroplane, I've seen the bend on the earth. No, you haven't, Tony. <laughs> no, I just thought I had, It's yeah. the glass, yeah. the glass is curved, it's perspective. It's, you oh, know, it's, there's an answer for everything. It's he wild. was very funny, wasn't he? It was great, but it's interesting because, like you were saying about yeah. <laughs> the psychiatric patients, you know, yeah. the people believe some wacky shit. They do, yeah, they do. I, I'm, I don't know. I don't. I'm not into the the um, microchipping thing either at the moment. You know, the vaccinations by microchip. Because if somebody was showing that the microchips are quite big, you wouldn't get them in the needle. Have you seen the uh, there's a schematic going around that that's being posted on on some forums and they're saying, oh, this is the five G chip that's in a vaccine, and someone's figured it out, and it's actually a copy of the. The Boss MT2 Metal Zone guitar pedal. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I say. That's the latest thing they're toting at the moment. And as they say, if they inject me with a chip, at least I'll get good uh, signal everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, why? Why on earth would they bother injecting us all with a chip when, look, within yeah. five feet yeah, yeah. of everyone is one of these things that does I, the job? I can't get like. I mean, you know. So say that Bill Gates wants to chip everybody in the world so he will know everybody where everybody in the world is then what you know kill switch well, what? kill switch engage <laughs> yeah it's it takes like six billion out <laughs> yeah but but then just make you buy stuff that's all people are interested in just making you buy stuff the one thing with bill gates and i've i've not had time to do the research and put everything together for this week's post interview uh what do, you, what do we call it? Deconstruction? De- yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing you can say about Bill Gates is he's very interested in depopulation and has been for three okay. or four decades. That's where it comes from. Well, it comes from his dad. 
Who's his dad? Well, Mr. Gates. Bill, Bill Gates Senior. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he was involved. But the, with... the way with a conspiracy theory, what you need to do is just to inject enough plausibility into it, so people go, "Oh, all right, that makes yeah. sense." <laughs> oh yeah, you know. I, I remember a, a lady some years ago who was convinced that she, the police, were watching her every move. Okay. And, uh, we, you know, with cognitive behavioural therapy, you try to look at the evidence. So I thought, right, well, what we'll do is we'll go and I will talk her through the evidence, right? So so she believed that uh, due to her going on a holiday in Spain and some incident happening, that the police believed that she was a prostitute and that they therefore were going to follow her everywhere and put cameras everywhere. So I said, well, how many cameras have they got? Well, they've got cameras in every room and in the ga- in the garage, yeah, in the garage, well, in the kitchen, in the bedrooms. I said, so how many cameras? It was about, oh, you know, 12 cameras. So they're all hidden. You can't find them. Okay, right, yeah. And they're doing this just in case you're a prostitute. Yes. I said, what about all the real prostitutes? Do they bother with that? I said, because they're going to have to watch them as well. So, yeah, they probably do. So, okay, there's the 12 cameras now. That is, who is going to watch all that footage? So you're going to have to have people on shift you know, are you going to have to have, what, three, four people on shift at a time just to watch your cameras? And um, where are they going to sit? Because if they're going to have to have offices, they're going to have to have computers, they're going to have to have holiday, sick leave, they're going to have to have a manager. I mean, this is going to cost the country um, hundreds of thousands of pounds just in case you're a prostitute, you know, and and you aren't. You know, we, and we agreed she wasn't. Uh, and uh, so, and then after the end of it... She went, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, does it? But they're still watching me, <laughs> you know? And this is it. You know, it's like the lizard people, which I said I possibly wasn't going to talk about, the lizard people. It always ends up with the lizard people. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, again, I'd never met one. <laughs> is that some? Does that come from sort of some intense paranoia? Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Ultimately, it's about um, an anxiety about being acceptable, I think, to to the group and feelings of guilt and anxiety when you feel you're not. Because something must have happened that is linked um, to, to, in this case, you know, to... to you know, she was a very um, respectable woman, you know, and I guess from that kind of background, this was a terrible thing. Whereas, you know, some people just wouldn't have been bothered about that. But, yeah, I suppose it is. And you're sure she wasn't a prostitute? I'm 99% sure, yeah. I mean, you know, she didn't, she didn't say she was, but I mean, imagine the police doing that to everybody. But yeah, this is, this is the point of it. That the, the, these, and I always say, people believe things according to their feelings, not according to the facts. So if you feel that something's true, that's what you believe. You know, it doesn't matter how nonsensical it is. Yeah, but people's feelings are, are influenced, aren't they? We, we get outside influences that alter can alter our perspectives. You know, like, like someone, yep. for example, if you watch twenty four, if you watch Rolling News twenty four hours a day, um, that would not do you any good. I think you probably no. end up with depression or anxiety or something. Certainly, anxiety. You're seeing a lot of that at the moment. Yeah, you know, what I say is- to them, don't watch, watch, don't watch the news. One of the things we've talked about a bit before is the impact of social media on people's mental health. And uh, I I think I said, did I say last week on the show that, or maybe we were talking private, but I sort of kind of 
wish we could go back to the days before the smartphone was invented. When you had to read the newspaper. To, uh, yeah, or, yeah. Or, or, or watch six o'clock news or something, yeah. Or when you just had to have a conversation with someone. <laughs> rather oh. than, you know, because people are just like zombies, just wandering around, looking, staring at the screen all the time. They talk about how these days we tend to, and I do it as well, really, you go on Twitter or whatever, and people who have different views to you, you block them. <laughs> so you end up just listening to people who just say the same things as you do. You know, you have people, oh, yeah, I like you, yeah, like, oh, I agree with that. So I'm going to have everybody on my Twitter feed is somebody I agree with, and then somebody says something I find I don't agree with, I block them. So, and that's true for everybody. Obviously, mine are correct, but, uh, <laughs> but other people's will be wrong, you know, because they're not mine. So you, all you're doing is you're surrounded by people who are just saying the same things. And, you know, without wishing to be political, you know, I'm guessing this is what's happened with the old American thing at the moment. Some of the and 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 the five G business, you know, um, you, if you're surrounded by people who totally agree with what you're saying, then it, it's like a religious cult, isn't it? And some religions, well, most religions have stories that are important to them that don't seem to make a lot of sense mm. to the outside community. But if you're in it, then you you buy it, you know. Social media is the perfect tool for creating your own echo chamber. Yeah, and that, it gym, just yeah. gets reinforced, yeah. doesn't it? Because you're surrounding yourself with people who agree with you. And uh, if they don't agree with you, they're obviously a Nazi. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And you can tell them that as well before you block them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you're supposed to do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly the correct etiquette. You're a Nazi. Block them. Antifa. Yeah, oh, yeah. The how do they say Antifa? I think they were saying the other day. They say, in America, they say um, Antifa. 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 That's right. Yeah. Well, I think you know English people probably just say Antifa. Antifa. Well, well, probably from Lancashire you say Antifa. <laughs> seen our Antifa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do worry that it's having that it's. Um, the negative consequences of social media outweigh the positives. I do worry about that. I don't know what you think about I, that. I find these days, and all, you know, even if I do go on like Facebook, I rarely go on Facebook. I'm, sometimes we'll post pictures. If we, if we ever went out anywhere, we'd post a picture on that. I've done that for a bit. But, um, you know, I just get friend requests from young women who live in Colombia mm. who... Um, they nice. don't really want to be my friends. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're definitely prostitutes. <laughs> I mean, well, or, or, in fact, not, not women at all. Not, I'm not from Colombia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like the, the weird bot from, uh, phenomenon, basically. So, you know, say Facebook I, I, and, and, and then hysterical messages about, um, mm. uh, you know, this block this man, he has killed nine, look out for this man, he's killed nine puppies. And there's some poor bloke who, it, maybe he did, but I doubt it, you know, there's a picture there. And these hysterical things, or pass this on, or like the old yeah. chain letters, or you are a scumbag <laughs> if you don't pass this on. So, yeah, Facebook, I don't bother with really. Yeah, I've never understood yeah. TikTok. You don't dance, you got to dance. I don't dance, that's right. Although, uh, when I was working with kids in the uh, child and adolescent mental health thing, they were telling me that, it, it, I was asking about TikTok, and uh, and they said, it's okay, grandpas can go on TikTok. So I thought, okay, maybe, this, maybe there is a future. But, uh, 
it's okay for you to go on TikTok. Yeah, do a grandpa dance. Yeah. yeah. About what about Snapchat then? No, I've never got into that. The only thing I saw about that that was useful was it it shows you where all your friends are. So my daughters have got it, and they had a map, and it's a map of the, uh, Europe, I think, and it showed where all the friends were. You know, actually, little icons of them. Yeah, which that's is a bit sinister. Well, that's so why they, they don't need, need the 5G chip, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, they don't need the microchip. Do they? No, they don't need microchip. <laughs> so I've got, I've got uh, Snapchat. Do you foresee? <laughs> Do you foresee, Tony, you know, we all we have smartphones now, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, the smartwatch came out, the wearable. Oh, yeah. Do you foresee mm. a time where people will start volunteering to have the device implanted? Well, it's, they do already, don't they? There's some rudimentary yeah, chips. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can get it so you can pay for your groceries and open yeah. some doors. Yeah. Yeah. The RFID, the RFID chip, that I think, is it? Mm. Yeah, so I, I I don't know, but I think, uh, I th- and they talk about how, the, and it may happen in the future, they'll hardwire the internet into our heads. Oh, no. So we'll be able to just think, uh, instead of Googling <laughs> stuff like this, you just, got, you just think it. I mean, in, it's ruined mystery novels, of course, because, <laughs> um, you know, in the old days, you had to work yeah. things out or go to the library and find things out in the old Cthulhu books anyway. You'd have to go to the library and study, but these days you just Google it. Mm. Yeah. There's that whole thing about instant gratification at the moment, which is something that I think uh, our friend Dan talks about and how that might lead to sort of mental health problems because there's no okay. People want instant kind of fixes to things and it's Absolutely. not that easy. Oh, that's so true. That is so true. And that is, you know, one of my things, my, my daily work, whereby people just want to be fixed, yeah. preferably with a tablet, <laughs> right now. Yeah. You know, can I get this today? Yeah, I've sent the email to the, ca- the pharmacist. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it won't fix them. It may help. Don't get me wrong. I think they do help. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it doesn't, they don't fix people. They have to fix themselves. Yeah, well, from, exactly. from talking, I remember when we talked to Jimbo, Jim Bamboo, Yonk, well, it's over a year ago now, but um, I think it was him who was saying, like, the the idea is, say it's antidepressant or some medication, is is that sort of to sort of buy your time to sort out what the actual yeah. problem is, you know, to sort of relieve, hopefully to relieve the symptoms so you can put the work into, to sort it out. There's no magic bullet for these sort of issues. No, but definitely that's right. I mean, if people are in a real crisis and desperate, medication absolutely has its part, but um, but it is not the solution. It, and people have to do the work, really. Yeah. It sort of goes Wait, against... Sorry, Ben. I was thinking it's the same with everything. If you, if you want to improve yourself, you have to put the legwork in. You can't just... Mm. You can't just magically get better, you know. If, if you're afflicted with anything, or you just want to improve your general general health or whatever, it's it's hard work. Absolutely right. It is. It is. You don't just you don't just run a marathon from the first day, do you? You know, you have to practice. No. Um, do you think this yeah, is it's, quite it's, a, a recent development? I'm thinking back to like the SlimFast commercials in the late '80s, early '90s, when this sort of and then there was sort of a, I don't know if an epidemic is the right word, but these sort of fads started showing up, like the, what's the Thigh Master? 
you know, and you can get, you can buy a thigh master yeah. and you watch your VHS te- VHS tape, and within <laughs> three weeks you will go from this to this. You know, and and it's like, we won't even wait three weeks now. <laughs> no, no, it has to be you know um, Amazon Prime delivery tomorrow <laughs> you know, or today. Yeah. yeah. You don't. You generally don't need these things absolutely t- tomorrow. But, oh. Yeah, it seems mm. quite a recent development to me. I don't know. I'm trying to think back. Yeah, we. I remember when we used to send off for things, and they'd come in the post, and you get quite excited. It might take a week or two. Mm. And letters, they were good. <laughs> yeah, it's like by the letters. same token. By the same token, you don't get toys in your cereal box anymore. No. If there's any offers on there, you have to send off for them. That's gone the other it's, way. It's weird, isn't it? Weird, it's gone the other way. It, that's probably a health and safety thing. Sheila was telling we were talking about Christmas pudding this morning, and wasn't it good in the old days? She put sixpences in, and she said, well, you can't do that. I know, kids would choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you used to have to, you have to put your, uh, cut yeah. the thing off the cereal box, send it off, and wait 28 days. 28, yeah, it was 28 days was the magic thing, wasn't it? That 28 was days. The standard, wasn't it? Mm. I don't know, is there yeah, anything the, to be the, said? I'm <laughs> just going to say, no, I think it's just, that's that whole thing, going back to what we were talking about before, it's the nature of your reality at that moment in time, wasn't it? That was fast. It's yeah. amazing, you know. 50 years ago, you had to wait six months for this. <laughs> that's probably true, yeah. That's all, everything's just getting faster and faster and faster and faster, isn't it? And why? Why? Yeah. I'd, you know, if you had to, if you went to India in the old days, it'd take you months, or Australia, it'd take you months and months. And now we want to do it really fast. Yeah, but why is everything going to be fast? I don't know. I'm, I don't mind. Yeah, they used I to think call I'm getting them. old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's capitalism, isn't it? It's, that's oh, what you, you kind capitalism. of, I would say, because, you know, the more efficient you can do things, the more you can squeeze out of a person. And makes it cheaper, doesn't it? Basically, you can buy more stuff, and then you got more stuff, haven't you? Yeah. There's obviously a demand, a demand for having things quicker, mm. which is driving this, and that's probably rooted on in our psychology, I guess, isn't it? And then the market tends to those needs. Well, of course it does. Yeah. So I don't know if it's capitalism driving us. I think it's probably us driving the the marketplace yeah we demand it's like the food we eat isn't it i mean um we we want all the sugar and fat and things that's because we like it that's why they make it because mm-hmm. that's what we buy yeah that's, but that's the thing i suppose isn't it if you chose if everyone decided right we're not buying chocolate anymore probably won't get make chocolate bars anymore. That's, but there'd be no point in them making chocolate would they just be making broccoli instead <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Broccoli snacks <laughs> sounds quite nice. Oh, I don't um, mind a bit of broccoli. Yeah, we have kind of uh, segued a little bit into mm. um, into capitalism and, and market forces. But I wanted to ask you because this is something um, I read on, on your Medium blog, and it's probably going to test your memory as well. Right again, Tony, because I can't remember when you actually posted this. But this is about um, the Enfield poltergeist. Oh right, okay. Because this is something that I remember watching or reading about when i was a teenager or a kid or something and it really really freaks me out yeah yeah um i don't do you want to kind of um tell the story about this one you're probably better at doing it than me okay so this i think the um the thing about the enfield poltergeist 
was that it's one is one of those cases that has things that appear to be true and it's like if this is it's like almost like the amityville horror i know they've um i remember reading similar to you reading the amityville horror in that book that came out in the mid 70s and i'm like if this is true this is terrifying you know yeah. that these things are around you know so the so Enfield is in North London. I'm just getting onto the edge of my seat. <laughs> edge, absolutely, edge of your seat. And you may, if you've seen The Conjuring Two, which came out in 2016, this is based on the and so okay. on the uh, Enfield story. I didn't need to watch that, Tony. You didn't need to. You didn't know because yeah, because I didn't watch this. Yeah. So, but yeah, so so this is 284 Green Street in Brimsdown, which is part of Enfield. Uh, and now an interesting thing, you know, you, you may have picked up an interest in this kind of um, folkloric thing going on. So Brimsdown was originally Grimsdown, okay? Mm-hmm. Grima, Grimsdown, was another word for Odin. Odin is the trickster god. So he's messing around with us still, okay? Yeah. So, um, but, but this happened between 77 and 79, and there were two sisters aged then 11 and 14 and there was a a research project by the British Society for Psychical Research, the SPR which is a very, it was established in Victorian times and it's a very um, well regarded society and uh, its aims are to bring scientific method to to looking at paranormal cases and uh, they believed that it was a true haunting uh, at the time. I mean there was a later, the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry thought it wasn't but then the clue is in the name. <laughs> They're just skeptical of everything, you know. So, um, and they go out of their way to, to try and disprove. Their job is to disprove stuff. But anyway, the story goes: Peggy Hudson, who was a single parent, rang the police. And this was August '77, and she said to the police that furniture was moving around on its own in her house, and there were knocking sounds and sounds in the walls. Okay, now you wouldn't ring the police about that unless you wanted to be sectioned, probably, you know. Uh, and But she was clearly, and she wasn't mentally ill, and she was um, clearly disturbed by these things. She had four kids at the time. Margaret was 14, John, Janet 11, Johnny 10, and Billy 7. And they'd been in that house for several years and nothing. And, um, the, and then she, it was the 30th of August when Janet woke up to say her bed was shaking. And the police visited, and this copper said he saw a chair slide across the room and nobody touched it. And as people kept going in and out of the house, various investigators and officials, uh, there were voices, demonic voices, uh, things being thrown, toys being thrown, chairs flipping open. And, and the worst thing is, and you could see this if you go on the internet, there are pictures of the two girls levitating in the air. Holy so went, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. They looked at it. No. Now, people who were sceptical would say they've just got a picture of them bouncing and caught it that minute when they're up in the air. But um, it does look like they're flying, but, you know, it, this isn't video. This is just uh, still cameras. So this was between 77 and 79, and there were two very famous um, members of the Society for Psychical Research, Maurice Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair, and they both were pretty well-regarded authors on this subject matter in the time. So, um, and Playfair wrote a book called This House is Haunted, The True Story of a Poltergeist, and he absolutely believed that it, um, it was a true haunting, um, although he thought that the two girls might at times have exaggerated what went on and tried to play tricks um, on, on the investigators. So, 
this, she was levitating and um, the, the photographer who went was hit in the face by a piece of Lego flying across the room. And it appeared that nobody had thrown that. And then the same story about electrical equipment switching itself on and off. Uh, and the photographer who took the photos of the girls levitating was apparently terrified. So I don't, I haven't heard his first-hand experience, his first-hand testimony of that. But people say that he was genuinely scared. And I guess he's the guy who's seen the levitation. If it's real, he's going to be terrified. If if he's seen just a girl bouncing up and down on the bed, then he's not going to be that bothered. Mm. And this was the investigator from the, from the was it the Institute of Cyclical Research? Is it? Psychical Research, yeah. No, the, I think this was a newspaper photographer took the photos. Oh, right. He uh, saw yeah. the limitation. And he was the one who was scared by it. And they called in Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, these were American uh, demonologists and they came over and they had... Um, they had done the Amityville horror. I mean, you're familiar with the Amityville one, are you, as well, whereby the pig demon things wandering around in a house where the mass murderer happened. So these are really um, scary stories. Uh, The Warrens believed in all this thing. They thought the girls were possessed by demonic entities and that they were causing the phenomena. But anyway, um, 40 years... Go on. I was just uh, just saying, sorry, the Amityville horror, is that like, Mm. is that based on something then? Yeah, yeah, that's that's another case in the 70s. Right. So... um, Okay, so you remember, you've got to remember around these times, the culture of it was The Exorcist had come out. Well, yeah, yeah. That's in the, what I was in thinking, like, the films and stuff. So all of that time, there was a massive interest in, in demonic, demonic possession and this kind of really horrifying stuff. Mm. And just jumping back to my own podcast, <laughs> we do the, the classic ghosts. So the stories that we do are fairly standard ghost stories. They're not horrifying they're not demonic they're not you know they're quite cozy in lots of ways they may give you a chill but they're quite good but in this from the 70s with the exorcist mm. you get this actual uh you know devil worship and then there was satanic panic as well wasn't there at that time so it was a big thing in you know the the, the dark forces demonic forces uh, and so LaVey and the church I think it's got to be understood against that cultural background yeah <laughs> And Amityville was, a, was an American case whereby um, there'd been a, um, a, a murder in the house. This guy killed the family and then a, a normal family. But, you know, and this became the template for the standard Hollywood horror story where you have the all-American family moving into a suburban house. Everything's really wonderful. And then monstrous things start happening, you know. So Amityville was that. And uh, they, there was a story of, and I think the thing that really freaked me about the Amityville was that the, the the thing that was in the in the house was a pig? It was like a pig shaped, and I was just like, "Oh my god, that's horrible!" You know, um, what's worse than the demon pig? There's nothing worse than a demon pig. I think a demon pig's like the worst, and I quite like pigs. You know, I've got one, but you know. So going back um, to the first one, so so how many sort of witnesses were there? All the- tons of them, loads. It became a, a big thing, you know, yeah. it was in all the papers, it was in like News of the World and the Sunday People and people traipsed in and out and there was the official um, investigations and there was investigations of the investigations, you know, to see whether they'd faked it. And uh, so, I mean, later on, when they were grown up, the girls were identified again. And she, this girl, Janet, ja- Janet and Margaret Hudson, and Janet said that they hadn't faked it. And then she claimed, this is 40 years later when she was grown up, that she'd been possessed and was levitated 
and she thought that this thing might even kill her and it wrapped a curtain around her neck. And she talked about um, things being moved across the floor, a chest of drawers moving on its own across the floors. And, you know, she said that this caused her a lot of distress at the time. She was called the ghost girl and bullied at school. So oh. it was, there was no incentive for her to fake this stuff. And she said she hated all the investigators coming in out of the house, you know. So, wasn't that sorry? Uh, like a contemporary, almost documentary about. It? Cause I, I don't know if I'm making this up in my head. Like there were, I seem to remember sort of, um, you know, contemporary recordings of it in some kind of documentary I've watched years ago about this one. Because that's I'm sure I mean, that's right. It's a famous case, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was in the newspapers at the time, and I think it's been covered in. Um, you know, paranormal ghost programs, probably on channels that, you know, hunt, even in the old days of satellite TV, channel 306 and stuff, ran out at 2am <laughs> in the morning. But I was on a couple of those in the day, back in the day, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, that was scary. So if this stuff's true, it's pretty... Mm-hmm. I, I, they may be, I'm not really scared of ghosts and monsters, really. Um, and I accept that there are that people have experiences of them. I mean, the closest I came, I had a couple where I was at uh, Chillingham Castle because in 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 the midst of all this, we started doing ghost tours. This is this was before Most Haunted, who who stole most of the stuff from my website, by the by, and never without any credits. Not saying not that I'm bitter, but um, so this was before Most Haunted made all this stuff um, very popular, okay. and. Um, I was, we used to go to Chillingham Castle in Northumberland a lot, which is a fantastic place. Um, if you ever get the chance to go there, full of atmosphere. And th- we were down in the dungeon. This door at the end just suddenly slammed shut on its own. And that's a fairly minor thing. But that was, I was definitely, I was looking at that. I saw that. And um, I had a ghostly cat in a castle in Ireland. A little tiny ghostly kitten appeared when I went to the toilet in a castle in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and that was, oh my God. And then it vanished. So I think what we said at the very beginning is a lot of these things are pointless. They don't make any sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the, the other thing, um, sorry, going back to your medium thing, that mm. you seemed a little bit more cynical of was the, um, like the true story behind um, The Exorcist. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what happened with my, my medium articles was that um, my sense of humour kept coming out. Oh, right. And... Um, so the exorcist is is based on an apparently true haunting as well but when you look into that there's loads of inconsistencies and it, yeah. that does look faked and I, whether whether i was becoming more skeptical uh, and then i became very skeptical when i got to men in black which is a, a later article um, yeah because i mean i'm like they are just useless they just appear to make people hush up and everybody then writes a story about it you know but the, yeah, the Exorcist um, one. I, it's a great book, The Exorcist. If you ever, I mean, it is. I I think it's a really good book. I've never seen the movie because I was too scared to watch it. That's true. That's yeah. another one. I think that's probably maybe when I got. I might have watched like the something about the Enfield Poltergeist, The Exorcist, and, and the Poltergeist film in in a back, week. Back to back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's. I can I can give you some zopical info if you want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, no, blimey, goodness. Yeah, so um, 
so it's a good book, but he used, uh, what's his name, Blatty, used um, a real story of a, a, a German, fa- German-American family who this kid, um, and the Catholic Church took it totally seriously, and he was possessed. And um, so they, in a sense, you've got to understand, to, this to me, these people, these exorcists, and a lot, they're very enthusiastic. And I suppose if the devil's true at a time where religion was being challenged, if the devil's true, then God's true, you know. So it was almost like uh, if, if we treat him seriously and then, you know, it kind of shores up our own faith, I suppose. And it's their job. You give people a job to do and they want to do it, you know. So they, they took it on board. And this is apparently um, took place in the late 40s in Maryland. And the subject of the exorcism, this is the exorcist now, was a guy called Roland Edwin Hunkeler and the sort of the, they were a German family. And the family were into spiritualism, particularly the grandma and the auntie. And so he was introduced to this kind of idea of uh, both the idea of speaking to ghosts and also that it was evil and you shouldn't do it because obviously it's against the church's mm. Of their commandments, but guidance. Um, so, yeah. So it, it seemed to me, looking back, that he probably was an emotionally disturbed young man who who could be violent. I mean, he hits the priest and he swears at them and all sorts of stuff. And um, I mean, I, I've seen very emotionally disturbed young people being restrained and you know, it, it's just struck me that it was very similar to that and another way of understanding the the events is to think this is a this is a young man who's very emotionally disturbed and uh, and then later on of course as he grows up he packs it in and just becomes a normal citizen and nothing happens so yeah i wasn't convinced by the exorcist story no i mean the way i look at it is that i mean for these ghost stories i think it's quite intriguing that you think, say, if you consider how much our culture has changed in the last couple of thousand years, that this particular thing, ghost stories, is still with us. It still yeah. remains. And that leads me to think maybe there's something there, you know. Why is it mm. that they were writing about it in Roman times? Pliny, in, in the apostolic era, writes about a haunting. It's nothing. Yeah. It's not like um, something that's been drummed up recently to fulfil a need. It's 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 lasted. There's a, I was listening to a very interesting podcast podcast um, by a guy called Justin Hopper, who's an American, and he um, wrote a book called Old Weird Albion, and he he then has got this podcast based on that. And he was interviewing a, a, a and I think he's an academic, a guy called Gareth Reese, and he's written a book about modern urban landscapes, you know, um, motorway flyovers and underpasses. And um, he says that this ritual behaviour still goes on. So he was, he was wandering around all these desolate spaces and he finds on a, I think it's down at Bristol, on the on one of the um, motorway slip, you know, the big areas in the middle between that nobody can get to really or they're hard to get to. And there's like dolls tied to the wire with flowers like offerings and stuff like that and his point is that it seems that people just do ritual behavior and folklore there are certain things you know like birds build nests Mm. they're they're almost like we don't think about them we don't know why we're doing it but we produce this stuff um 
And there are still modern stories being created. Not very far from me, there's a story of uh, Bella Sheephead. And people kind of sort of believe this. And it's a, it's a, 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 lo- a lonely road between sort of two ex-pit villages. And um, there's this thing that's supposed to haunt the roads with the head of a sheep. And if your car breaks down there, she, she'll come and get you, you know. And people talk about it. As it and it's, this is, must be a modern thing. This must only be since the past 20 years. So we still produce it. We absolutely do. It's, America is absolutely rife with this this sort of uh, genre. And it's called cryptids. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's Mothman and Flannel Man and all sorts. <laughs> there's loads, loads, there's loads and loads and loads. Florida, man. Oh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. Oh, for, yeah, yeah. Of him. You know, that goes... What, one thing about that is just one thing that struck me as I've been reading all these stories is that a lot of these, this is true, and it sounds ludicrous, a lot of these entities, such as Mothman, right, and the men in black wear very skin-tight clothes. You will hear, you you go now, I've said this now, if you read any accounts, they'll always talk about them wearing skin-tight, shiny clothes. So that is a weird thing. But then when you go back to the 19th century in England, you have um, Spring-Heeled Jack, who was this demon that used to bounce up and down and terrify people. He was seen all over Britain as he spread out from London. He started in London. And um, he wore skin-tight clothes as well. <laughs> it's true. It's so what's theme. going on? It's, it's something. I don't know what it means. but There's a common thread there, isn't there? Yeah. I'm terrified of gladiators now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you probably should be. Um, yeah, you know. So, but when was when was lacquer invented? I don't know. I have to Google that. Yeah, maybe after the forties, isn't it? I reckon. Right. Okay. Right. So it's not lacquer then. And the other thing that they have, including the phone calls from the dead and Mothman and um, the Men in Black. They speak in weird, almost, not electronic, but mechanical voices, weird, unnatural voices. And, yeah, so these are so skin-tight clothes, I know, and these weird voices, and also unnatural movements, like me- mechanistic movements as well. So, mm. one One thing I heard on another podcast, uh, I think it was Conspiranormal, they had someone talking about the black-eyed children. Oh, yeah. Have you heard yeah. about this? This yeah. really, really freaked me out. I can't, it was years ago I heard it, but it's about the, these experiences people have where, like, a child will knock at the door mm. and ask to come in to, mm. for some reason to use the phone or whatever, and there'll just be something off, and they'll just have, like, black eyes, and it just it just gives me the willies. You wouldn't let him in, would you? you wouldn't. No way, no. You mean, no, have you not got a mobile? <laughs> <laughs> Are you not chipped? Yeah. <laughs> well then, well we've done it. We've rocked up to an hour already, Tony. Mm. Yeah, we better wrap rambling up. on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll we'll wrap up for this week. Um, where's the best place for people to find you? So, yeah, absolutely, the classic ghost stories podcast. Yeah, on wherever you listen, Overcast, Apple, Spotify. That's the podcast, know. and you've got the the blog. Is that on Medium? Was it? I've got my own, but I mean, Medium's a good place to find me because you can find Medium easily enough, just Tony Walker Medium, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll put all the links in the show notes in the episode description. It's uh, It's been fascinating, I've really enjoyed this. Nice. Yeah, it's been a good yeah, chat. Thanks, and I think, in, you know, the conclusion is that there's a lot of different things out there and we really haven't got a clue what's going on. 
I've said it before. I think I think the latest consensus is that we can account for six percent of all energy and matter in the universe. Six mm. percent. So what else is going on? The other ninety four. Who Absolutely. knows? Who knows? I don't. Yeah. No, Skin I don't. Clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Lycra. Yeah. Mothman. Yes, Mothman Lycra. in Lycra. <laughs> and Springfield Jack. Right. Squeaky voice. Yeah. <laughs> hang on the just hang on the line for us a minute, Tony. Yeah, yeah. We'll play ourselves yeah. out. And uh we'll be back in a flash. Don't touch that dial. Right then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our chat with Tony Walker from the classic ghost stories podcast that was great wasn't it mm. yeah really good i enjoyed it a lot of fun spooky yeah look into look into the enfield poltergeist and if you if they've like the the uh documentaries on youtube like the 70s or 80s one watch it's freaky as fuck right that was a, a bbc or something was it I don't know. I don't. I can't. I really can't remember. But it's been remade. You know, it's like a drama and stuff. I think I might have watched it as a drama and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm check out some uh, tight fitting clothes. I think. <laughs> yeah. And jump out of shadows. You, you're going to ma- masquerade as flannel man. <laughs> uh-huh. Doesn't need to. <laughs> slender, slender man. That's another one. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> You're halfway there. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm really? still still working my way through the Christmas food. Look at those boobs. Those boobs are coming oh, on. That's... Soon to get remedied though. Soon as the Christmas food's gone. Yeah, Spartan. I'm going Spartan lifestyle. What does that mean? It's you my do. my new. You have to comb, you have to comb your brother's hair or something. It's my new <laughs> new regimen for 2021. It's a three pronged, a trident. Of health, okay. if, yeah. if you will, and the three three pillars of the Spartan lifestyle. KFC, are... Burger King, McDonald's. <laughs> Diet, body weight exercises, and grooming before battle. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Body weight exercises. Yeah, just squats, push ups, just hulking, hulking my meat vehicle. Around Are you, uh, you're not going to put your vest on. I was just going to say I might supplement my body weight with my weighted bomb bomb vests. <laughs> got one of these weighted vests from Aldi. It's got like twenty kilos in it. So yeah, try to do some press ups in that. When was the last time you rolled out the old weighted vest? That was oh, it's a couple been, of years ago. Yeah, it's been eighteen months at least. Yeah, but mm. yeah, diet meat for the diet. Okay, meat and eggs. Just meat. He's just going to eat meat and eggs. Pretty much, yeah. Spartan, okay. right? I'm a Spartan. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've recently got back into avocados on toast. And, <laughs> do you smash and, it? Do you smash it? Uh, of course I do. And, but the problem is, is I've, had, I've, bought, <laughs> I've bought four <laughs> avocados. Every single one has been bruised beyond belief oh, when I've opened oh. it up. It's just like slime. And I've had to throw them all away, every single one. Aldi. Um, three were from Aldi. One was from Morrison's. Do you know what? I've had this issue with Aldi avocados yeah, in the past yeah. when I've been there. I think in in Aldi, fresh produce in general has been thrown at least five times before it's stacked on the shelf and dropped. 
I find that. That adds to the food miles. Yeah. When they shop locally. Locally. Local well, you can you can get you can get a um, you can get a grocery box delivered from the grocer. Right. What grocer? Uh, like you know, fruit and veg. Oh, want. the man in the van, the veg van. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, someone will come and drop a box off. Yeah, I bet it lasts miles longer as well. Well, I bet. I don't know. Never. I've not had one yet. Anyway, check out Tony's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Gold Stories podcast, and uh, yeah. check out all the links, social media yeah. links, and etc. And check out his blog. It's yeah. interesting. Uh, nice to meet. <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. Uh, ne- nice to connect with a fellow UK podcaster who's into all sorts of these paranormal things. Mm, yeah, which is, uh, yeah, sweet. good. So yeah, interesting. Right, should we move on? Should we do some housekeeping? Why not? Housekeeping. 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 Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Become a producer. That's what we need. We need producers. How do you become a producer, Armish Ben? You can write us a review on iTunes. Or oh, any, any platform. platform. Any platform. Yeah, rate and review. Not trust pilot. <laughs> um, send us things email us at the Amish Inquisition, inquisition at gmail.com yeah. send, us, send us artwork why don't send us a clipping of yourself what, do what? a collage and photograph it and send it to us send us the photograph not the collage mm. and don't cook your pasta before you make your pasta pictures. We've had several in this week that have just <laughs> not been good. The other thing you can do is buy um put on a fucking your fucking muzzle mask and go into hospital with it yes. on. Yes you can. Do that. Absolutely. Uh subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube. Follow us on the social media. Yeah. Send um, us news clips, news articles. YouTube is, is hot enough at the moment. It's the place to be. Yeah. Um, with subscribers. Good. It's about time. We've been putting videos regularly up now for a couple of months, two, three, few months now, and it's definitely paying yeah. dividends. People are starting to subscribe. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, because, I mean, to be fair, uh, most of the episodes, no real benefit from YouTube other than watching, you know, three hunks of love. But mm. some episodes do... Re- do uh, you will benefit from the visual aids? Yeah, Dave Matheson. Last week was it? Last week? No. Yes, last week. Yeah. The spiraling solar system flying through the universe. Yeah, definitely. So please, yeah. Help, yeah suppose even if you're not going to watch them, just subscribe to the YouTube channel because <laughs> yeah. uh, it helps. It helps us. Um, what's the number one way to become a producer? Toss us a fucking coin. Toss a coin to your witcher, oh valley of plenty, oh valley of plenty. I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil. That uh, oh valley of plenty. uh, It really bothers me. Yeah, toss us a coin. Go to the armiesinquisition.com, find the PayPal button, and, uh, you know, 
slip us a one-off or just go crazy and, and give us a sign up for a monthly donation. Mm. Toss us a coin. Um, yeah, I think that's all. I think that's covered. All the producer ways to become a producer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the merch store. Go to the Set Amish loot chest. Yeah. And, um, you know, pick up your your swag. <laughs> your Amish Inquisition swag, T-shirts, hoodies. Tight, tight-fitting hoodies. <laughs> tight-fitting Amish Inquisition. <laughs> we do, masks. if you're in the USA, leggings could be in your future. <laughs> Amish Inquisition lycra <laughs> leggings. And then you can be Spring Hill Jack. Yes. Uh, or Mothman. Yeah, or Mothman or Flannel Man or Slender Man. Take your pick. Yeah, I think, uh, was that everything? I think that's everything. Shall we thank them yeah. then? Yeah. Shall we yeah. thank the producers for episode 167, is it? 167, yeah. 167, okay, we have Mark Anthony Wyatt, DCI Shanks, Nomin Osnodge, Gav Scott, Tamborista 2020, Anomnus, and James the Giant Johnson. You are so amazing in your love. They are, yeah, so amazing in their love. And literally, the best mate. I've been coming to terms with the fact that I'm a blind man. The dwarf, the currant, the grape, the homophobe, the wind, the asna, the quamp, chance, the number 11, the blind man, the fallen on the horizon, the cripple and the mother of the bickering from hell. I don't get it, never will. Yeah, thanks for your support for another week. Eavesdroppers and producers, it's been good. I got sent loads of stuff. I'm compiling some stuff. For a week when I have more time, because I'm doing a bit of a deep dive on on uh, on a certain subject, a personal project. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you hinted at it before, Amish Matt. I think we should give a special mention to the last producer on the list there, James and the Giant, the Giant Johnson. James and the Giant Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much raw doll. I mean, <laughs> he's going to enjoy that one, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we got a we got a communique this morning. Um, mm. It was what was it? An Instagram story. James mm. tagged us in a, an Instagram story, and um, he'd taken a selfie of himself mm-hmm. uh, laid up in hospital. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, Ben. He's in hospital. <laughs> he took a selfie of Sorry. himself in hospital. Um, elegantly modelling his put your fucking muzzle on what's it called? Put on your fucking muzzle face mask (laughs) and um, yeah James he's been in a bad way he's been in hospital for a number of weeks now since well before Christmas Mm. um, with a spinal injury and you know he's got a a decent stretch ahead of him on the road to recovery so I think we should give James a special mention and say um Get well soon. Thanks for supporting us, and uh, we support you, and we hope you get out yeah. sooner, than well expe- soon. sooner than expected. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? All the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why we're on that. I was thinking, you know, the other cu- couple of weeks ago, we, um, again, failed to um, decide on what requirements would be needed for a producer to ascertain 
executive producer status. So you're just gonna you're just gonna blurt this out now on the podcast. Um, I I, I would Can say I, that we should. Um, I think we should bump James the Giant Johnson up to executive producer for episode one six seven. Bold. It's a bold move. All in favour, say aye. 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 That's done then. Aye. Yeah. That's our first executive producer, James the Giant Johnson. Put it on your, what's it called, LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn, your curriculum vitae. Yeah. Right, let's... certificates. Let's do it properly then. Okay, step up, James. I, Orish Phil, by the power invested in me by the podcast gods, Jarl, Ball, and On, hereby pronounce that the first official inaugural executive producer of the Armist Inquisition podcast shall be noticed forthwith as James the Giant Johnson! <laughs> Praise Jabalon. He's yeah. Whack on Okay. Wow. That was intense. Yeah. COVID 19 news. Put on your fucking muzzle if you go to the shop. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass from hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating more like More lives this year than any other year for the past hundred years. Two million people have to die. This is such a crock of shit. This is Sonny Pickering! Who the fuck's that? Yeah, me! Oh, I got quite a bit of COVID news. Um, let's start with <laughs> Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty. Put the nation on a downer this week with this fucking bombshell. And we'll then get, over time, to a point where people say this level of risk is one that society is prepared to tolerate and lift, you know, right down to almost no restrictions at all. We might Almost no restrictions at all. Uh, not, no, not back to normal, almost all restrictions. Anyway, continuing. Might have to bring a few in uh, in the next winter, for example. That is possible, because winter will benefit the virus. But the aim of this is to de-risk it as much as possible by the uh, vaccine to the point where actually we get to the stage uh, where the risk is incredibly low relative to where we are now. And we just say, just as we do with flu, where every year, roughly on an average year, about 7,000 people a year die. In uh, a bad year, up to 20,000 people a year die. We accept there is a level of risk that society will tolerate, and we we should tolerate... Yeah, restrictions next winter we're being primed for. Mm. I dispute his figures on average flu deaths being 7,000 a year. Yeah. I think that's a very good year, as in the last yeah. two years before the pandemic was about 7,000. It's usually oh, in the teens. Insane. It's usually in the teens, and like 2025 is a bad year, like 17, 18. But, mm. you know, he's the chief medical officer. What the fuck do I know? He's obviously never heard of the... Sorry? Slide, please. Next slide, please. He's obviously never heard of the... The magic vaccine. Because that's going to save us, isn't it? It is super painful. 
you know, it's wow. just, you know, super painful. It is super painful. Um, it's because of the size of the chip they've got to get in. <laughs> it's the um, first week I felt a bit sort of disheartened, I think, that it's, that it's not going to stop. Really? Even with the vaccine, yeah, because of what Bojo said something along the lines as well in, in one of the first, I think it was like the first um, press conference after the lockdown three. He said, you know, as long as the uh, vaccine is efficacious as it is uh, supposed to be, then, you know, we'll start um, reducing sort of like the lockdown and things like that. So, you know, how many years of and vaccines do we try before you kind of accept that you got to go back to normal? Matt Hancock was on uh, Andrew Marr this morning and he was saying it's going to be an annual vaccine for the foreseeable future. Right, okay. I mean, I've been saying this from the start. This is a permanent change. Mm. There's no going back to normal. It's the new normal. And uh, people are starting to realise this now. What, nearly a year on? What was the bit, what was the thing was there a moment that or something you heard that made you think shit this might not end just him saying that basically with the vaccine because it's the magic vaccine I've been waiting for the magic vaccine just to vax everyone and then we can all just go on about our very little lives all the old people who are going to die from it being vaccinated so we hopefully not as many will end up in hospital. Um, so therefore the risk has been removed from society and the system being clogged up. Therefore we can just stop fucking around, surely. Well, in the clip, Chris Whitty was talking about the level of risk that society will tolerate. Exactly. So, you know, what is that? The, the society isn't being asked to tolerate risk. It's th- that decision has no. been taken out of our hands. Well, at the moment it is, isn't it? At the moment till, well, yeah, for the last year nearly. Yeah. It's very Absolutely. difficult to get power back from politicians once you give it away. Mm. People got arrested for protesting this weekend. Yeah, there's been lots of stories about arrests. There was someone who <laughs> was arrested for leaving a house twice. I read on the Daily Mail website. Um, and some other quarkers on there as well. The two women who went for a walk... Drove had the incredulity um, to walk uh, five to drive five miles and walk around a um, reservoir, mm. and they were uh, fined. That was Derbyshire again, wasn't it? It was Derbyshire. Yeah, they fucking love it, don't they? There. Yeah, they're particularly fascistic in Derbyshire, aren't they? For some reason. <laughs> yeah. Thing is, if you if you remove people's right for to redress or right to protest. Uh, that's a very sticky place to be in. Mm. And you're not guaranteed to get your rights back, I'm afraid. But we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. Maybe people will start protesting en masse because they can't stop everyone. Mm. They can't find everyone. There'll have to be some sort there'll be some sort of critical mass, won't there? If it goes on long enough. I think the thing is is surely the longer it goes on, you acclimatise more to the uncertainty and you're less afraid as long as nothing bad particularly happens to you, unfortunately, you know, or fortunately. That's how it kind of works generally in terms of your own psyche. 
We're in a right fucking pickle. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm how surprised there's not been more sort of online attempts at protest. And hear me out. <laughs> you know, with uh, DDoS attacks on government websites to try try and put something up on the coronavirus website that says, you know, we're against the lockdown or whatever. That they will probably pay more attention, have to pay more attention, and also it's that's. That's even more difficult to police. It's not herding people back into their houses. Where's that attack come from? Where's that protest coming from? It's very, very visible indeed. The thing is, you have the whole mechanism of the state and the media and industry in lockstep. Yes. It's very difficult to get through to people. Hmm. If you're of the view that you know, people should be at least allowed to protest without being arrested. Fucking hell, it sounds like China, man. Can't protest without being arrested. I don't know, I I think it's fucking terrifying, to be honest. But, you know, a lot a lot of people think, well, you know, just another three months. I think the, the vaccine's been the carrot, hasn't it? Yeah. The vaccine's exactly. the carrot that has been dangled, that people are looking, for, looking forward to and thinking, right, if we can just stick it out for another three months... Another three months. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, I think what's also shit at the moment, obviously, is schools closing, and you know this kind of never-ending school closure. So, is it like are they actually, they're not going to go back? Are they in February? Even Gove has said April. <laughs> really? Stupid. Yes. Um. So you know, it's just balmy. And they've they've tightened the 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 advice on who can and can't send the kids to school today, haven't they? Because from what we've heard from schools, is that a lot of them are sort of <laughs> half full and mm. and uh, they're struggling. And they've said today that it basically, if say you're a key worker, meaning you have to go out to work, um, but your husband or wife works from home, then you don't get a place. Or if you both work from home, you don't get a place. The The only reason for you to send your kids to school is if you have no childcare, that prevents, then, that, that then prevents you from going and doing a key worker job in a supermarket or a pharmacy or NHS, whatever. So they've released new guidance. I think that was today. Because it seems like the schools can't cope. And uh, there's also talk of shutting the nurseries today as well. Keir Starmer has called for. Uh, he's saying he's saying that the lockdown measures aren't tight enough. Oh, we need to lock down harder, so that will be the first thing on the chopping block. Will be nurseries. But this is the thing: is that right? So obviously, the mood. Then the only reason he's saying that is it's politically motivated. So it must be that they're <laughs> going to focus groups, and people want more. They want it harder and luckier. One thing that surprised me is how how much so many people just want to be told what to do. They just want Easier. to be told what to do and not have to think for themselves. It's disturbing. Step on me, Daddy. Tell me what to do. Yeah, it's easier, isn't it? It's not your responsibility then. That's it. It's responsibility is the key. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to take personal responsibility. But 
I don't know. It's a very strange situation. Mm. Do you know who, uh, who we don't hear enough from during this COVID pandemic? No. Tony Blair. <laughs> Let's see. There are two things we, in addition we've got to prepare for. He's talking about the vaccine rollout. And he's going to tell us two things, two important things that we need to bear in mind with the rollout. And you'll hear a massive gulp he takes before he goes to point two. And then you'll understand why. One is, I don't think we have the proper data systems yet, and we've got to get them. We need to know every single piece of information as this vaccination programme proceeds, because it will tell us an immense amount about what's working and what's not working. But the second thing is that I think you will get to the stage where it's going to be very hard for people to do a lot of normal life unless they can prove their vaccination status. I think you'll find a situation where countries say to you, you're not coming in here unless we see whether you've either been vaccinated, you've had the disease and have got antibodies, or you've had a recent high-quality test. And so if people people have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. So you may think it's a constraint on your liberty, you've got to go and get vaccinated. This might be the most disturbing thing I've heard since March, this thing here. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. I thought I I already had liberty. I thought I was born with things called human rights. Not anymore. It's been undone. It's been taken away from you. What happens when, in five years' time, there's another pandemic? It's something else. It's not a coronavirus. It's... It's something different, something other. Do we need to just update our vaccine cards? <laughs> well, this is the thing where we talked a little bit about last week, wasn't it? What if in five or ten years something similar happens again? You bankrupt the nation again? Which is, well, they set us the bar so low in terms of who's in, who's impacted by this. On a on a, have a population, I mean. a global population, the bar is now so low that even a bad flu season could trigger some some kind of event where where we're, we're shutting things down. Mm. It's crazy. I said this months ago. I think we fucked up. <laughs> I think we fucked up big time. Can't close Fucking... Pandora's box. Exactly, no. The precedent has been set. Mm. This is so bizarre. There's only one... I said this months ago as well, but the only, you know the pandem- pandemic will be over as soon as we decide it is. Yeah. I think... But this is the other thing, is you can see little chinks of light because they do seem... It's kind of a little bit of... Well, this could Sorry, what, what of light? Chinks. This, this, this could kind of go on forever... But there's also little bits like, well, you know, we're probably going to have to accept some risk and, you know, things are going to have to, you know, but I don't know. I'm not doing this. We can't do this for years. There's too many people benefiting. There's too, there's a lot of people pushing their agendas through on the backs of this. That's what's perpetuating things. Is it the lizard people? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Klaus Schwab. It, it'll morph into the green into the green agenda. 
Well, it was that that was mentioned, wasn't it, ages ago when it was sort of like you know, um, all the cars were off the road, weren't they? And you know, everyone's uh, lungs were a hundred times better, and all the rest of it. They've started dropping them planters in middle of streets again, shutting roads. Yeah. And can you get to uh, what's it called? The uh, screw fix. They haven't done that road yet. All right. Okay. No, but we're going to be locked down for another three months at least. So. It may yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. <coughs> There's too many powerful people making a lot of money and getting their agendas put forward for this to end. And the governments are stuck. They're in a hole. How do you, how do they reverse course? I don't think they can. I don't think they can. So I think we're stuck. Unless... Mm-hmm. Unless, you know... The magic vaccine... Comes through... And all of a sudden, death figures drop off a cliff. Like in the summer. Like in the summer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why Witty's prepping us for another, you know, mm. November lockdown next year, or this year, because this will become the predominant seasonal virus because, well, one good thing, we've eradicated flu, haven't we, this year? Yeah, there's no flu for no some flu, No flu deaths. Why? What is the official reasoning for that? You get a dominant virus. The 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 coronavirus okay. is the dominant virus in the virome now. It just kicks. It's a well known uh, phenomenon in virology. Oh, okay. The dominant virus just kicks the other ones out. Right. So this twin demic that they were spouting about a couple of months ago doesn't look like it's going to happen. Right. There's only so many people who can die. Who are, you know, to put it bluntly, who are vulnerable. And it's right. going to be one or the other, and the dominant virus will be the one that gets, him. That gets nailed with it, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, on a lighter note, got some positive COVID news this week. Now I've got some breaking news uh, to bring you on Sky News this afternoon in that uh, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh have received their coronavirus vaccinations. Uh, Joining, we're told, more than a million people now who have been given the jab. Boris Johnson, of course, said yesterday around uh, one and a half million now, isn't it? Uh, This is a highly unusual move by Buckingham Palace, which has uh, commented on uh, private health matters of uh, the Queen and Prince Philip. Let's uh, join our Royal so that's good news. At least, you know, the Queen and, and Prince Philip have had the saline. I mean, the uh, vaccine. So. <laughs> I, don't, I, quite get the, I get the feeling that Prince Philip would be injected with anything. Adrenochrome. Just so he, yeah, just so he could fucking get in his car and rampage around Sandringham. <laughs> <laughs> is he, is he, he must be near 100 now, is not he? Yeah, I think so. She's, I think she's ninety four or ninety five. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing well for it. Mm-hmm. The uh, they didn't they didn't video it and release it. No, they should have done, shouldn't they? Yeah, because there's been talk of the government roping in celebrities and famous <laughs> doctors and stuff to take the vaccine on film. One it? must take the vaccine. The Queen's not going to lower herself to that, is she? Uh, well, she has her speech written for her every year that she fucking has to say. She doesn't write it? No, I don't think so. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, I think the government does, doesn't it? The government? Yeah. It'll be, it'll be one of her aides, no? No. 
I'm going to Google it now because it's something that I always thought the government wrote it for her. The government writes the Queen's speech? I can't believe that. The Christmas one? Yeah. I'm probably wrong then. I don't know. <clears throat> Pope's getting jabbed next week. <laughs> is he getting jabbed or is he being indicted on 80 charges of um, pederasty? It's one or the other. <laughs> Did you not see this on Twitter today? No. Uh, blackout. Vatican. Twitter. Vatican blackout. Uh, all roads in Rome, near the, in the radius of the Vatican, were closed. And then rumours of the Pope being indicted on 80 charges. <laughs> she does write it. Oh, does it she? All back. Okay. I don't know where I've read that, where that's come from then. She writes it. Well, she come, She largely writes it and then someone helps her. Does she use a word, do you think? <laughs> Probably a typewriter. Or a quill. I imagine. Uh, my son does a lot of chilling and quilling at the moment. <coughs> chilling and quilling? What's that? You go and you sit down and relax and write. Practice right. your letters. Oh, right. Oh, well, I've not heard of chilling and quilling. Yeah. Uh, my five-year-old's into colouring at the minute. Right, okay. Colouring a lot of bedtime. Does he um, stay within the lines? Occasionally. It's <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's more about speed than accuracy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been getting better, though. I've been doing some, like, practicing some shading. Oh, and, you nice. know, adding some texture to my, cra- my crayon. My crayon <laughs> technique. <laughs> my he... my, my coloured pencil techers. <laughs> Does he then ruin it, though? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You yeah. do that side and I'll do this side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Fucking uh, queen. Right. Oh, I've got to have more, more COVID news. <laughs> fuck. More good news. More good COVID news. Um, yeah, from Bojo. Some, uh, some new therapies have been announced. Some new uh, potentially very uh, effective therapeutics. For the old COVIDs, let's hear it. Our scientists, who've not only developed the uh, Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine, the first ever life-saving treatment of COVID in the form of dexamethasone, but also, I'm pleased to tell you today, uh, British scientific research has now contributed to, uh, to the creation of more new life-saving treatments that have just passed rigorous clinical trials. In, uh, in particular, uh, tocilizumab, so I'll say it again. Uh, Tocilizumab and Sarilumab. And they'll shortly be on everybody's lips. Tocilizumab. Tocilizumab. Sarilumab. Tocilizumab. Sarilumab. Tos. Uh, 
Yeah, they'll be on everyone's nice. lips. Have you been bored this afternoon? I've literally <laughs> thrown this podcast together in an hour and a half. We should do that more often. Because uh, my missus has been boning up, swatting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> lucky my- man. <laughs> She's uh, been hog tying me and boning me. No, she's been uh, she's been swatting up for an exam on Tuesday. Oh, she's doing there. Uh, what is she doing there? An examination. Uh, GCSE, is it? No, I think they're going to see if they they can find a soul. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's maths or something. I think. <laughs> so I've had no time because I've been minding the uh, the little shits all day. Oh, did she? Did you, did you lend her the studio to swap up in? Uh, no. This no, is, she'd stick to the floor, wouldn't she? This is holy ground. <laughs> okay. Lumap. She wouldn't Sorry, be able to enter. No. You can't. Have, soul. No. She'll have to. I need to see evidence of a vaccine before she can enter uh-huh. the inner sanctum. Uh, Tosilizu Mab. For true liberty. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, let's move on. Um, do we want to do Boeing? Fucking hell, it's been a shit week for Boeing. There's oh, a yeah. plane dropping out of the sky. Is this the one that's the one that's just been... Is it the different model, this? Is it a different model, the one that, used, that, that dropped out of the sky? <laughs> yeah, it's not a 737 Max. Okay, oh, right, so oh, this happened first. I think this was Wednesday or Thursday. Okay. Boeing will pay $2.5 billion to settle a criminal charge related to its troubled 737 MAX jetliner. The Justice Department announced the settlement on Thursday, nearly two years after the second of two, the anniversary of two crashes that killed 346 people in all. Boeing will pay crash victims, families, airline customers, and airlines as well a fine. So that was the, uh, the corporate malfeasance. Mm. They've managed to do a settlement, so no one, no individual is going to face criminal charges mm-hmm. for the conspiracy. Uh, it was, wasn't it? They yeah. called it a conspiracy on the news. Yeah, That's it's terrible the what they did, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, they've been like falsifying records and safety checks and fucking all sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you don't believe in conspiracy theories, just look up <laughs> Boeing. And it's, it's, you know, uh, US transport, look at Ford versus Dodge. Yeah, the Ford thing's mental, isn't it? Yeah. The memo they found. Yeah, people lie lie for the sake of money, and it costs people's lives. Mm -hmm. But not Big Pharma. (laughs) Be be certain about that. They definitely don't. Uh, Yeah, but that was like Wednesday or Thursday, and then this happened. Now to the major story unfolding overseas, a Boeing 737 passenger jet crashing off Indonesia, the tower losing contact just four minutes after takeoff. The plane in a terrifying plunge, debris spotted in the water tonight. Rescuers forced to suspend the search for survivors for now. ABC's Gio Benitez covers aviation for us. Tonight, the wreckage from the doomed Indonesian jetliner discovered in the Java Sea. The Boeing 737 taking off at 2.36 p.m., losing contact with the tower after four minutes. The plane plummeting a harrowing 10,000 feet in roughly 30 seconds. 
Grieving family members rushing to the airport, 62 people on board, including seven children and three infants. The flight taking off from the same airport as the October 2018 Lion Air crash, which killed 189. That plane, a 737 MAX, grounded for safety problems for two years. Today's deadly accident involving an older Boeing model, the Navy deploying 11 ships to locate remains and the black boxes, which will hold key clues to the cause. It was a third string hand-me-down aircraft, 26 years old. So we know that maintenance on aircraft in Indonesia has been poor and it's come out as a factor in past crashes. So one of the things investigators will look at is, was there some sort of a catastrophic failure? Was there something in the way that they did maintenance? Very sad. Mm. Uh, lots of grieving families this weekend. Mm. It's horrible. It's um, 10,000 feet in 30 seconds. Yeah. Must have lost its lift surfaces immediately. I mean, I break up that sounds like free fall. Mm. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. So at the moment, it sounds like something's exploded and it's just dropped out of the sky, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely terrible. So, yeah, a terrible week for Boeing. But, um, hmm. Yeah. Um, well, we should talk about the the big event of this week, which would have been the, the Capitol building riots. Oh, fuck yeah. That was crazy, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't bother playing any clips because everyone on Earth knows what's going on. Well, <laughs> no, no, everyone on Earth has seen reports of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Have they sacked the? Um, I was talking to my wife about it, and she said that the security, the man in charge of security, has been sacked immediately. It's he a bit resigned. More. He resigned the next day. Did he? Sure. he? He would have been fired. I've seen video of, of them just letting people in, but I suppose it's you know. Well, I've, I've seen that, and I've seen I have seen people kind of being stopped outside. I've seen people climbing walls and falling off them. Um, <laughs> That's when they got yes. in. So to get into the complex, into the grounds, they opened the gates and let him into the grounds. Now, they all yeah. met outside, and then Trump did that speech further down. He said, we're going to go there together. And that was pretty much it. So they all go there, and they're all outside the Capitol building grounds. And then you see the videos of the police opening the gates and waving them in. What? Mm. And then, I mean, I've I've heard it called riots, sedition, insurrection. A coup. You see the video? They're staying in between the red ropes. That's not a riot. Riots, Rioters trash the place. They spray paint graffiti. They topple statues in the building. Something, a lot of it just does not add up. Pelosi's well, office was pretty. I've seen, pretty yeah, I've seen, I've seen pictures of people I've, taking stuff and yeah, people turning papers upside down, like put, throwing papers on the floor. I mean, people seem to forget from like June till September, half of America's cities were on fire. Yeah, I was going to say nothing, but nothing was destroyed that I can say. I saw like a. Half-hearted attempt at smashing some glass. <laughs> well, a woman got shot, didn't she? Or did she? <laughs> What's this now? Oh, you didn't watch no. Dave Matheson's video then that I sent you? I, I tried to watch it and then I had to look after someone. 
Dave Matheson did a video on a, a short video on Instagram, um, saying that a lot of what he saw there with his military experience didn't add up. And uh, he then released a longer video on YouTube Mm -hmm. and it was taken down by YouTube. Yeah. I don't know. He he makes a very convincing, when you hear him talk about it and he talks about his military experience and what happens when there is an active shooter and people's lives are an immediate threat. Uh, The takeaway is he thinks they they were crisis actors. It was staged. Whoa. And his video was Even taken the... down for harassment and bullying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Doesn't sound like David Matheson that I know. No. no. It's very strange. I don't know. I don't know the answers. I've heard all sorts of weird, funny stories. I've heard about um, Secret Service agent, agents recovering Nancy Pelosi's laptop. And then seeing a video of these two guys dressed in black going the opposite direction from the crowd with rucksacks on, pushing, barging were people in, out of the way. Were they in tight-fitting clothes? <laughs> Possibly. So were they wearing any flannel? Yeah, maybe. It's very strange. Um, but <clears throat> you, they would, wouldn't they? They would. That would be something they would want to secure, surely. No? Maybe. Yeah, it depends who's behind it. And then uh, Nancy Pelosi immediately after calls for his... Oh, did you... Well, did you hear about, like, after it had taken place, uh, Trump did that video on Twitter mm. calling for people to go home in peace. And Twitter... So he, he denounced the violence, didn't he? He told them to go home in peace and love. And right. Twitter removed the video. Because I did he not also say something else about never giving up? No, this was before. That was before when they were all outside. This was after <coughs> the they broke in. He did a video and it was a close shot on his just on his upper body, and he said, "Stop, go home, go mm-hmm. home in peace." Deep fake. And uh, Twitter take it took it down. Mm-hmm. No one seems to have a, a reasonable explanation for why that was. And then shortly thereafter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and He's Snapchat banned, isn't he? banned him. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very strange. And then Nancy Pelosi calls for impeachment. He's got thirteen days left. Well, I think it's twelve now, and she's calling yeah. for an impeach impeachment. Yeah, no. to stop him from running again. If you're impeached, he would and removed he won't be able to run again in 2024 he'll be a bit old then won't he I've heard two explanations that would be the third the other explanation is she just doesn't know when to stop that that's probably impeaching trying to impeach him is probably the stupidest thing you could do when it's that polarised and that much Mm. of a powder keg to push it again but she just doesn't know when to stop or she's worried. Unless unless you're right and they are crisis actors and he doesn't actually have that many followers. It doesn't really matter, does it? We know, we know a couple of people who went there, who were there. 
We know one we who's been on this. Probably shouldn't mention names. <laughs> we, yeah, we won't. But we, someone who's been on this podcast was there. If you if you're suggesting Trump doesn't have a big following, no, no, I'm, 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 all the evidence would suggest that he does. All the evidence would suggest that Biden doesn't have a big following. He couldn't he couldn't fill a frigging laundromat, could he? <laughs> could he when he was doing his rallies? And yet, somehow, I know every, you know people hate him, but Trump used to pack him out. It's, it's odd. It's an odd state of affairs. I think Trump died twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's all deep fake. Yeah. Anyway, should we go on to uh, one of the viral moments from this week? Um. Yeah. It's from We've the uh, done COVID news. <laughs> from the same place, actually, the House of Representatives. Um, there was a viral moment this week. House Democrats Emmanuel Cleaver <laughs> was delivering the House prayer. It's some sort of tradition they have where I think they close the day's proceedings or whatever with a prayer. Yeah, and uh, this went viral. Now and evermore. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. (laughs) What's going on there? Oh, God, he's trying to be woke and he he just doesn't understand (laughs) the Hebrew language. Right, yeah, because... Just that I can. Oh, hang on, I've got the eyes, so hang on. Amen and a woman. So he finishes the prayer, amen. Amen. Oh. And then says, a woman. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So he has, does he have no clues to what amen? Is that, is that like saying history? You can't say history anymore. History. Has to be her story. History. <laughs> His history. Well, as Ben, ben it's, said, it's, it, it's a Hebrew word. Well, amen. It means, yeah, it is true, or this is the truth. <clears throat> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's not a gendered. No, so, yeah, yeah. It is it's now. Not. It is It is in his head. <laughs> but, you know. Was he really old? Yeah. Oh, no. right, well then, you just don't get it, does he? <laughs> no, like, he should be immune. He should be immune from this shit if you're older. No. It's the young people who are woke. Said, has anyone praised him for it? Has he just been roundly, like... <laughs> Lam- lambasted. You would friggin' hope so, yeah. wouldn't you? It's like specimen. Specimen. <laughs> <laughs> I have these specimen and these specimen women. <laughs> There's a, a lot of the theosophical reading that I do, rather than charting amen to, well, vi- via the Hebrew, they chart it back to Amun, the Egyptian deity. Ooh, really? Yeah, Amun. And then that became, that was sort of fused with Ra and Amun-Ra, and that the Hebrews picked up Amun and, uh, you know, repurposed it as Amen. Amen. So, uh, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just funny, isn't it? It's just fucking stupid. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stu- stupidity gives me a funny feeling in my abdo women. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just quickly Googled words that end in men? No, I, I use my own brain for those two words that I can think of that end in men. Um, Good. I can't, yeah, I can't think of any more. He's out. He's gone. Oh dear! Hysterectomy. See women. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be a hysterectomy. <laughs> no, it should be a hysterectomy. Yeah. Weirdly, makes more sense than anything else we've said in the last time. I know it's because I said it. Well, yeah. Oh dear! You'd have to mansplain to me, Matt. <laughs> well, the evidence is contrary, Ben. <laughs> <coughs> Oh dear. I've got one last clip. Go on in. Are you feel familiar with Laura Tobin? No. Laura Tobin I is. I've heard the name. She's the uh, weather girl on Good Morning Britain. Oh yeah. With uh, Piers Morgan and Susanna Reid. And um, Karaki, she, she woke some people up with this forecast this week. <laughs> This mix down here through Kent gave some sleet and snow first thing this morning. It's now slowly turning back to sleet and rain, but very slushy, de- slushy deposits. Mm-hmm. All right. Some nice... <laughs> some slutty deposits. Slushy deposits. Slushy deposits. <laughs> I didn't see that when I went outside. There was no, no sluts deposited near me. Any? Anyone? Any? See, see any sluts? No, Thursday morning. <laughs> it was slippy underfoot though, so I can't be certain. Would that be oh, the, right. Would that be I the? Going, I was going down the vaginal discharge route personally. Ooh. Oh no! I was thinking just whole sluts raining down. <laughs> okay. And, and being deposited. Like the weather girls. Slushy deposits. Yeah, left, right, and centre. Mm. Oh, deposits. Uh, yeah, I don't really watch um, morning TV. I don't watch Good Morning Britain. Does anyone? Uh, my mum watches it. Kind of fits in with the Daily Mail kind of routine. Fuck <laughs> you know, I went round to her house yesterday and I was yeah. b- fucking banging on the door. <laughs> I, rung the, I rung the doorbell first and thought, no, that's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> so I banged on the door. It was like minus, I don't know. It was maybe three degrees. I mean, there wasn't any... Slushy deposits. But it was chilly. <laughs> and uh, I was getting a bit nipply. And uh, I'm going to have to walk around to the window. So I did go around to the front window. And she was engrossed in the in the Daily Mail. <laughs> so I smashed, the, smashed on the window. <laughs> she, she, do you know what she said? She what? went, Phil came straight away. And, you know, instead of ringing the doorbell, he came and banged on the window. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> She's fucking deaf. She yeah. won't. She will not tol- entertain the idea of having a, a hearing aid. But she desperately, desperately needs one. Can't hear trumpet. anything. A trumpet. Yeah. yeah. An old school Victorian ear trumpet. Yeah. She's uh, probably shouldn't say, but anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the story goes. <bro. laughs> I'll tell you what, fair. On that bombshell, that tease. Yeah. Should we sign off for this week? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been yeah. good. Loads of, there's loads of stuff we haven't covered, but there's just not enough time in the day, is there? Yeah. And we have lives. Okay. But please support us. Yeah. <laughs> Be, become producer. Please send us things. Yeah, it's a team effort. Yeah, you know what I mean, no slutty deposits. I will. I would not turn down any slutty deposits. Ha! Send them my way. I'll be spending them on them. Send you slutty deposits my way. <laughs> Doctor David Grimes next week doing a, yes, a deep deep dive on vitamin D. And um, yeah, not the vitamin D that Phil thinks. No, the vitamin D that you give the slushy deposit. <laughs> the, oh, hormone. The, uh, the hormone. The hormone. Hormone. Yeah. Right. Sayonara. Fucking vegan. Yes! Guardians are measured by their ability yes. to come. He's a homophobe and he's a misogynist. Line dog face pony soldier. Oh my. Execute order 69, dude! Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Peter Bone! Jesus Christ. Like a judgment day and terminating mode like. Your Semites 